Pesach Lei Ben Aaron Akohen, Sar Rachel Bas Baruch Avraham, Hinda Bas Chanich Ephraim, in honor of the Rav and all he does for the Kila and community. Thank you, Dr. Esterson, and a sponsor to Tomatoris Week of Learning Sponsorship by Bill Eskin in honor of Chaim Rothschild. Today's daf is Taz, test design. We're actually starting on the top of Taz. If you missed the daf Yomi yesterday, uh, you look back, you can see most of it is this gigantic Mishnah. And most of the daf yesterday, we were talking about the Mishnah. Thank you, Saeed. I want you to know, I'm up here on the stage, not because I've been upgraded or not because I, uh, any of my kavod. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm usually down there like, like two steps down, but because people are coming in and out and they're tripping over the wires for the microphone and the camera and everything. So it's not me. It's Tircha de Tzibura. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. Anochi Afra Ve'efer. We're going we're gonna to quote that on today's daf. I'm just dust and ashes. But because of the... Thank you. Thank you. Salam Hokim also. Baruch Hashem for that. But Baruch Hashem, we don't want people tripping over the wires. That's why I've been promoted to be up on stage with the beautiful, with the beautiful background. And, uh, and I, I had a suggestion that we should have a microphone dropping from the ceiling and we could sponsor the microphone also. And that, that maybe that'd be an upgrade for the Dafyomi studio for, the, for our live uh, podcast broadcast here. So we're starting at the top of Tezai. And as I was saying yesterday, it's a big Mishnah. And actually, if you look at the Mishnayos, this one giant Mishnah that shows up on Daf 2, on, on Daf 15, is broken up into 10 little Mishnayos in the, in the Seder Mishnayos. So if you, if you open up a Sefer Mishnayos, it's 10 different little Mishnahs. They put them all together. So the entire second Perik, the entire Mishnah, was on yesterday's Daf. And today we're going to be exploring that Mishnah a little more. And it's talking about the Seder Tainios, what we do on a public fast day. And yesterday we learned out that it's talking about the last seven. So you recall what's going on is when there was a lack of rain and the rain did not come on time. So first there were three fasts. There was a Monday, Thursday, Monday, a Bahab. And that first three was done by the Yechidim, which was the leaders of the community, the rabbis and people wanted, who wanted to step up and take additional responsibility, they would fast first. Then there was a second set of three, which was everyone got together. Remember they would close the stores, close the bathhouse because there were restrictions on working, restrictions on bathing. And if that didn't work, and there was still no rain on both sides, then they would do seven in a row. They would do Bahab, Hab, Hab. And they would have Monday, Thursday fasts for seven times and with everyone involved. And that's what our Mishnah is talking about here in the second parak. They would take out the Teva to the streets, we're going to see, and there were ashes. And it was, it was a big to-do. So we're picking up on the two dots, the fourth line of Taz Ahmed Olaf. And it says, Rechov, Teva, Vesakim, Efer, Efer, Kivura, Omoria, Simon. So when you see a Simon in the Gemara, a Simon is like a mnemonic. It's like a memory device. And these words are chosen because these words launch us into various discussions about the topics of, of, the, of these public fasts. And what they would do is they, they didn't have a book, Rebose. They didn't have an art scroll. They didn't have a written Gemara. They didn't have anything. They might have had the Mishnah written down then, but they didn't have a Gemara written down. So when they had various discussions on the Mishnah, they'd come up with a memory device, like these words, to help them remember the different conversations. So they, were, they, were, they had this all in mind, and they were trying to remember, well, which conversation was on this Mishnah, so it'd have a simon to remember all of the conversations and all the inyanim, all of the machlekis that we're going to bring uh, to explore the Mishnah. So lama yotzin lirachov, why do we go out to the street? So the Mishnah said we take out the teva, which is either the in our own with the Sefer Torah in it, or the table on which you read the Sefer Torah. So you take that out to the public street and everyone gets together and davens together. You don't just, uh, it's not just one shul, it might be multiple synagogues in the same city. They all come together to, da- to pray on the public fast day. Why do we take it out to the street? Rabbi Chiyabar Abba Omer, 
Lomer za'aknu betzina. We cried out to you betzina, privately. Tzina lashon tzniyas. Velo na'anenu. We weren't answered yet. Nivze atzmeinu beparhesia. We should embarrass ourselves in public. So going out into public to daven in the street and taking out the Aron with the Sefer Torah into public, it's a bizayun. It's It's embarrassing. We actually said at the end of yesterday's daf, and it's really, it's the first line on today's daf, so I can, I can say it over again, is that it's not the same if somebody embarrasses themselves. Somebody makes a joke at their own expense. It's not as bad as other people embarrassing them. So going out into public, other people are going to see them, and it's going to be embarrassing. The Ben Yishchai brings in Ben Yehoyada, that it's not just being embarrassed in front of other Jews. Now the non-Jews living in the city are going to see them. And they're going to say to themselves, they're going to say, hey, these Jews call themselves the sons of God. They call themselves uh, They say every time we call to Hashem, Hashem answers us. And look, they have to go out and uh, disgrace themselves in public because Hashem's not answering their prayers for rain. So it's an additional level of embarrassment that now other people are going to see. The Jews are davening for rain and they haven't been answered yet. On the subject of embarrassment, there's an amazing Gemara and it's one of, it's, it's a classic Gemara. And it's, it's really, I, I've got to read you some of this Gemara because it's, it's still like two and a half, three years out because it's in Bava Metziah. So we still got to get through the ends of uh, Moed and Nashim and Bava Kama and we're going to get to Bava Metziah. And remember, Bava Metziah is about financial dealings. So what does that have to do with embarrassing people? That sounds kind of uh, obtuse here. But remember, there's a Mishnah that says, this, is, this Mishnah is on Nun Ches in Bava Metziah. It says, Just like there's overcharging and financial wrongdoing with selling and buying. Kach uh, There's something called onat devarim, and it goes on to explain. Lo yomar So you don't go in and you say oh, you're pretending to buy. You know you don't intend to buy. If someone's a baltshuva and maybe his childhood wasn't so uh, honorable, you don't remind him of that. If he's descended from Gerim, or is a Gerim himself, you don't remind him. Uh, he might be embarrassed. You don't press, you don't oppress or push on a Ger, and, and other people, you don't abuse them with words. And the Gemara explains, Someone who embarrasses his fellow in public, it's as if he murdered him. It's a famous Gemara. Amrle uh, Shapir Kamar, he says, you're saying good. The Chazina, we see it ourselves, laid to Azil Sumkav Atechevra. We see in his face, his face, the red goes out of his face and it turns white. So it's a Ke'ilu, it's bloodshed. The blood goes out of his face and turns white. And the Gemara goes on to bring an amazing thing about David Melech. And uh, so they bring Amrabah Barachana, Amrabi Yochanan, Noach Lela Adam, Shiavu, Osofek, Eishas Ish. It's better for a man to live with a doubtful married woman. So don't, don't, don't go out and try this at home. I'm going to explain the Gemara first. So he says, and not embarrass people in public. That's even worse. So this is David Melech in Tehillim. He's saying he's, he's happy with his limping, with his embarrassment. And they gathered on him and, and they ripped into him. And he was silent. He says, Hashem, you know, if they would tear into my flesh, blood wouldn't come out of my flesh. That's how he is embarrassed. How, like, he turned white. He lost the blood from being embarrassed in public. He says, when we go and we learn Torah in the base Medrash, 
and we're talking about negaim, which is is tsarat, is blood, is you know uh, spots on a person that might render them tame as tsaru as mitzora. The ohelo, they're dealing with tuma and tahara of an ohel. Omrimli, so they come in, and David and Melech had a lot of you know political rivals and enemies. They would come in to embarrass him. Omrimli, David, they say, hey David, habal eishadish mitato bema. If somebody lives with a married woman, how do we kill him? And they're trying to embarrass David and Melech, who was accused of this with Bathsheba. And I tell them, The court strangles him to death. And he has part of the Olam He has a share in heaven. But people who embarrass their fellow man in public, they have no heaven. This is a very harsh language. Now you remember, the Gemara explains, the Taisos explains in a few places, and the Rishonim explains, that when David and Melech uh, seduced Bathsheba, not so clear seduced, she might have been uh, underage at the time, it's not so clear, uh, he, she was not really married because her husband had gone out to war and the, their custom was when we went out to war, God forbid a soldier would be a POW or an MIA, they'd be missing and their wife would be stuck, so they would give a get all tonight or just even a regular get first before they went to war in case they'd be lost in the war. So she had a get. She was not a married woman at the time, but the understanding was when, if, when and if a man came back from war, he would just go ahead and remarry his wife and mazel tov again and, you know, you throw another Sheva Brachas party and, and you're married again. So the understanding was if someone was away at war, his wife was divorced, it's true, but it was a gentleman's agreement not to go and start up with the wife of a guy who's away at war. And that's exactly what happened. So it wasn't Eishadish, and it wasn't even Suffolk Eishadish. She was Vada divorced, but it was like a very unseemly thing that David Melch did, and he admitted to, to, to doing this, to basically betraying the trust of his, his soldier, and that's why David Melch was later punished by his own children betraying him and trying to steal the throne from him. But David Melch's point is this, is that embarrassing people publicly, it looks like murder. It looks like bloodshed. And he says, I'm so embarrassed by these people criticizing me and starting slanders and rumors about me that it's like as if I have no blood. If you tore into my flesh, it's as if there's no blood. So this is the madrega of embarrassment is that it can be very hurtful and it can also be an impetus to change. If you feel very embarrassed about something, it, it might be the the kickstart that a man needs to really change his behavior and say, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I don't want to be there anymore. And we, we've all had it. You know, some days you show up late for davening and uh, someone looks at you funny as, as you walk in 10 minutes late and you go, man, I, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, you know I, I got to get up earlier. So we've, we've had it. But by David Melech, he has it, had it to an extreme level. So that's why they took the Jews and the Teva out into public. Rish Lakish Amar, he says, there's another reason for it. He says, Golinu Galutainu. He says, we, we're going into Golus. And our Galutainu Mechaperatalainu. Golus should be a kapara. So changing your normal place, changing your normal habits can also be a kapara. Again, if, you, if you're in a, in, a, in a rut and you're always doing the same thing and it's not working out, just changing up your life, changing your schedule, changing the, your, the shul you daven in or even the, the, the chair you daven in, it can be a bit of a kapara, a bit of a gullus. Famously, Rashi went into gullus for years in Europe. He would travel around, wander around Europe. He was like, oh, they're reading my books. So Rashi, Rashi went into Gullus himself, traveled around. It can be Makapar. My Benahi, what's the difference between these opinions, whether it's the Bizayon, the embarrassment that helps, or the Galut that helps? If he went into Gullus from one shul to a different shul. So he would say, if, if, if it's Gullus, that, that helps. If it's embarrassment of being in public and everyone sees you, then that doesn't help. 
Why do we bring out the Teva, which again could be the Ark with the Sefer Torah. It could be it was the portable Ark that they would use for the base of Oval, for a mourner's house. Or it could be the, the table that they davened or they leaned on. So why do we bring it to the to the city square for everyone to use together? We had a Klitsanua, a private Kli. It stay, you know, the Torah stays in here. It doesn't, doesn't go outside to the street. And it's become embarrassed because of us. It's like the Torah is ashamed because of us. So also the fact that we can't learn as much Torah because we have to be involved in fasting, which weakens us, and we have to be involved in tefillah all day. We have to fix the problems. So Bosa, you'll find in life sometimes that there's a lot of problems. You've got to stop whatever you're doing and fix all the problems before you can move on. So if you're spending all your time fixing problems, yes, it's necessary, but you've got to get things fixed so you can move on with the real mission. The real mission here is learning Torah, and we have to stop learning Torah and be involved in fasting and, and, uh, and not excessive prayers, but you know, extra prayers above and beyond to get the rain back. Lama mitkasi why do we wear sackcloth? We're like a behema. Rashi points out sack is made from izim, and izim is, is ozponim, is brazenness. And ez, a goat, is called the brazen or the brave even among animals. And that could be a, both a good and a bad trait. And Yisrael is compared to this. Israel is compared to an Ez of Behemadaka and a Shor of Behemagasa and an Aryeh of the Chayot. These are all kind of uh, more aggressive, more brave, more brazen animals. And that trait can be used for good or for bad. And here it was apparently used for the bad, and that's why the rain has stopped. Why do we put ashes on the Teva? Hashem says this to Am Yisrael. Hashem says, I am with you in your pain. So we, when Am Yisrael is in pain, when Am Yisrael is in Galut, Hashem is with us. Hashem feels our pain. I don't mean that in like a silly emotional way. I mean, Hashem really is, God says He's with us. He's with us. In all of their pain, all of, that's us, Am Yisrael's pain, it's a pain for Hashem as well. So having the Teva, having the Sefer Torah and, and the Teva there with us, it shows Hashem is with us in our pain. Amar Abizeira, Miresh, in the beginning, when I first saw the Hula Rabbanan, when I saw the rabbis, the Yahavu Efer Mikle Algabe Teva, they put ashes on the Teva, Mizdazayali Kule Gufai. I was trembling and shaking my entire body. It was an amazing thing. He saw them put ashes and he was, he was really trembling. It was really made an impact on him. But he only says the first time. So it's really interesting. It's a, we can get used to practically anything. You know, if you see something enough, you get used to it. This is one of the reasons by, by Halakha. If you go to Yerushalayim and you see the Makkah Mikdash, you see the, the Kotel and you see the Harabayas without the temple, there's a halacha of Kriya, of, of having a, you know, a, a, a symbolic mourning over the temple. But that's only if you haven't seen it in a while, at least 30 days. There's a discussion in the post scheme. You know, if somebody goes there every day, he's not, he's not doing Kriya every day because he gets used to it. You see, and we see the, see the same thing on the blessing on the ocean. If you live next to the ocean, you see the ocean every day. You don't make a bracha on seeing the ocean. So if you see the prokim, which is at least every 30 days, you could make a blessing on the, on the ocean. If you see something every day, you sort of get used to it. So here too, even though it, it's terrible, putting ashes on the ark and, and the mourning, and, and the shechina is also in mourning, Hashem is with us in our tzar. It makes an impact, but only the first time. So it's really, when you, when you see some, a powerful experience, hold on to it, because you might end up getting used to it. It's, it's one of the faculties a human being has, to get used to practically anything, you know, for good or for bad. Why do they put ashes on everyone's head? It's like we're ashes in front of you. Famously, Avram Avinu says, He says, I am 
dust and ashes. Afar with, a, with an ayin is dirt, and afer is ashes. So the, the Gemara says, in the zechus of Avraham being so humble and saying, no, you afar of afer, we got afar and afer. We got afer of par, of, uh, of para aduma, uh, and those afer of para aduma, the ashes of para aduma to be metahir us, and the afar for isha sota to prove that she did not commit adultery and she can go back to her husband. So in the zechus of Avram being so humble, we got two methods that use dust and ashes to be metakin, to fix people who are in a compromised situation. They're tame, or there's a suspicion of adultery, and these, uh, these two things, dust and ashes, which are normally useless, they become a tool for purifying Am Yisrael, that we got that in the merit of Avram Avinu's humility, saying, I am dust and ashes. And here the people are saying, I'm just like ashes, I'm, I'm like a nothing. And please, they're beseeching God to have mercy and send the rain and send back the produce. And one says, the ashes are, so we remember, the ashes of Yitzhak. Now, we said yesterday, and it's actually, there's Tosos today also, said yesterday, the Tosos says these ashes are from the bones of a human being. And the Yaivitz and other people say it's impossible, it's not, it can't be correct, because ashes from a human bone, you'd have to bury them. We brought the Misa yesterday of Rebel Vadia, so it was, you could ask me, ask, ask me after this year, it's an amazing story. But they say ashes from a human being are probably asr bahana. They have to be buried. So it can't be ashes of a human being. It should have said ayil. should not have said adam. should have said ayil. But on a Kabbalistic level, because Avraham Avinu was ready and willing to slaughter his son Yitzhak and to burn him as an offering, he was ready and willing. It's as if on a spiritual level, it's as if we pretend the ashes of Isaac were created and were mechaper and, and were, uh, were a merit for future generations of Jews, because it shows the sacrifice, the self-sacrifice Avraham was willing to go to in the service of Hashem. And Baruch Hashem, he didn't have to. Hashem told him, no, that's not what I intended. I intended you bring an ayel, an actual animal, and not your son. Uh, but because Avraham was willing to do it, it's ke'ilu, the ashes of Yitzhak were brought to Hashem as an offering because he was so willing, he was willing and able to do it. So my benahu, what's the difference between the reasons for ashes, whether it's I'm at his ashes, or to remember the Akeda, Ikebenaihu, Afar Stam. If you used Afar, mit an ayin here, Afar with an ayin is just dust or dirt, and it's not quite the same as Afar. So Afar, ashes, seems to be more, uh, more of a design, more humbling to put ashes on your head than just dirt. So it's interesting, dirt has a future. You can, you can plant things in dirt, but ashes, not really. Ashes are, had a past. They were wood before. There's something before, but they really don't have a future. So ashes, in a way, are more humbling than dirt. And, and this is, of course, we, uh, we, we don't really see this anymore, but on Tisha B'Av and on Tikkun Chatzot, some people had this minag to, to put ashes on their forehead. And, uh, and we, brought, we brought the puzzle yesterday, per, uh, per that in the future, there's going to be per, glory, in the place of the ashes. So people put ashes on their head in mourning, they'll have glory there, and per refers to also tefillin, because that's in the place of tefillin. Lama Yotzi in the Beit Kavarod, why do they go out to the cemetery? So you're going to, the gentleman who learned the Mishnah yesterday, you're going to say, that wasn't in the Mishnah. It wasn't in the Mishnah. And you're right. It was not in the Mishnah. The Rashi here says, it's in the Yerushalmi. In the Jerusalem Talmud, it says they used to go out to the cemetery on the public fast day. But it's not here. So it's really strange that the Bavli is bringing this as if it was part of the Mishnah or a Brisa or something. So there's a Maharetz Chayis who says what's going on is, when our sages, our rabbis in Babylon were composing the Talmud, they had the Yerushalmi already. The Jerusalem Talmud was basically put together and composed by Rabbi Yochanan 
about 1,800 years ago. And the Talmud Bavli was put together, you know, 100, 200 years after that, but they had the Yerushalmi. I don't know if it was in written form. It might have been purely oral as well, and their discussions were oral, but they had Yerushalmi when they made the Bavli. And this Rabosai, Maharaz points out, others point out, is why we paskin like the Bavli, not the Yerushalmi. Because the sages who put together the Bavli and did this analysis, they had both their version of the teachings in Bavl and the earlier teachings from, Yerush- from the Yerushalmi, from Rabbi Yochanan, and they could compare and contrast them, and all the Bryces and all the Mishnayos, they had all the sources, and then they could put together the Gemara that we have in the Bavli, and that's why it's more, uh, more significant to get a Psakalacha, to get a ruling out of the Bavli, because they, they saw it all. As this comes up, actually, Rabbi Vadi Yosef discusses this when there's a Rishon, and he doesn't cite another Rishon. And, and it's a really interesting thing. So he says, he, he, he said, I don't remember the specific names, but Rabbi Vadi says in some places, if this rabbi had seen what this Rishon said, he wouldn't have paskined the way he did. But he simply didn't see it because he never cites it, and it's a very authoritative ruling on the subject. So he rules X, but if he had seen the, the rush there, he would have ruled Y. So the rush is a bad example because everyone had the rush. So Rabbi Vadia uses this sometimes to point out if he had seen the Rishon, if an Achron had seen the Rishon, he never would have paskined like he did. So that's a reason not to paskin like him. So you have to see all the sources. Before you make a decision, you have to weigh all the options. You have to have all the evidence and all the research in front of you. So that's why the Bavli, they had the Yerushalmi already. This is one of the proofs, because here they are citing a Yerushalmi that on public fast days they go to the Beit Kvarot, even though it's not in our Mishnah, it's not in the Bavli anywhere. So why would they go out to the cemetery? Pligi Bar, Rabbi Levi, Bar Chama, Rabbi Chanina. You go out to a cemetery to humble yourself, to remind yourself that one day, that's where we are. We, we came from the dirt, and to the dirt we return. That's, that's, the, that's what it is, Rabosai. Sorry, sorry to shock you all so early in the morning. But that's what it is. So it's to, to bring humility on yourself, so then on the fast day you can, you can pray better, you can have more intention, that you're humble and you're temporary and you're beseeching God to show mercy on, the, on, your, on yourself because you're, you're just a transient being and soon you're not going to be here. Hadamar, kidei she'yevokshu aleinu metim rachamim. Wow. And the other says, no, it's so you can ask the departed to daven for you, to beseech Hashem in your merit. Now this, in their merit. Now this is very strange. So keep in mind, we're, we don't daven, we don't pray to anyone except our Creator. We only pray to God. That's one of the, uh, the, the Yud Gimel and Imam means. We only pray to God, we don't pray to anyone else. But to ask someone who's departed, say, please put in a good word for us, because they're already close to Hashem. They're already up there, and they're, you know, maybe they have Hashem's ear, maybe they're at Sadiq, maybe they're, you know, we go to Kever we daven by Kever by Mama Rachel. We say, Mama Rachel, Please remind God to have mercy on his children and bring us back from Golis. We do this because it works. So to, to pray to a departed person is never appropriate, but to ask them to talk to Hashem because you're already close to Hashem, because you have special merits, because you're a tzaddik, because you're, you're avinu, you're, you're imenu, that's something, that's something. And you'll see there's actually a machlokis rishonim about addressing angels because there's certain... Piyutim, we say, on, some people say in Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur maybe, it's Slichos, where it sounds like the author of the Piyut, they were Rishonim, they were a thousand years ago, 800 years ago, are talking to angels. They're saying, angels, please bring our prayers, you know, be, be our shaliach to bring our prayers in front of Rebano Sholam. So there's a, there's a debate if that's appropriate or not, to address angels and ask the angels to bring our prayers into the throne of God. 
but Rishonim did this, you know, a thousand years ago. They wrote Piyutim like this, where they were addressing the angels to bring in the prayers. So here too, you might go to a cemetery and address family members or tzaddikim or sages or ancestors to, who are already close to Hashem to please, please address God because uh, you're a little closer on our behalf. My Bainaihu, what's the difference between whether we go to a cemetery to remind that we are temporary transient beings and get humble or we're going in to ask our departed to daven for us? So if there's no Jewish cemetery close by, could you go to a non-Jewish cemetery which might not be recommended for, for Kohanim or anything like this, but to go, go next door, look at the graves, and you'll be, you'll be humbled. They're not going to pray for you, Rabbi Isai, but you'll be humbled at least. My Har Maria, what is Har Hamoria? Now, you might assume Har Maria, that's where Akedah was, right? So Rashi brings it could be Yerushalayim, Har Maria, and it could also be a reference to Har Sinai, also we're going to see. Pligi bar Levi bar Hama, Rabbi Chanina bar Chadamar, Har Shiyatsamimina Haram. So the mountain from which comes out Hara, legal rulings, Torah rulings. So that refers to Yushalayim, Kimitzion Taitzei Torah. So Kimitzion Taitzei Torah, the Hara, the Torah, the instruction for life, the legal rulings come out of Yushalayim. Hara Yisrael, Ha the Mar, Har Shiatzmenu Mora of the Karavim. The other one says it's the Har that came out fear to the idol worshippers. So that again could refer to Yushalayim. That uh, Yerushalayim is is the is the spiritual source and the base of Mikdash. They'd see the base of Mikdash and the miracles and this column of smoke and the fire, and they would be awed from it and they would be uh, scared and impressed by the Jews in their temple. Or it could also mean Har Sinai. That Har Sinai, once they there was a revelation, a divine revelation of the Torah, there was a, it was felt all over the world. Everyone felt the impact of it. We know in other places it's a Har Sinai is because it created Sino, Sino, Sinaschinim, Sinas hatred and jealousy that the non-Jews were jealous of us, that they had chosen not to accept the Torah, and we had chosen to accept the Torah. So then it, it caused a, a jealousy of our madrega of taking the Torah. So it could refer to Moriah, first to either Yerushalayim or Harsinai, and, uh, and we know, of course, it's, it's Yerushalayim, that Yeru is the same words. Moreh is hara, is instruction, and Yeru could also be rulings, instruction. And Shalem is what it's called before. Remember, Malkit Tzedek, Melech Shalem, same place. So Malki Tzedek was the king of Shalem. He came out to see Avram Avinu. He was in Shalem. Shalem is, became Yerushalayim. Instead of the Yeru, because the, it was the place of rulings and instructions for Am Yisrael and Shalem, they put them together. Azak and Shabbam at the two dots, or both sides, Azak and Shabbam, the elder, Omer Lifnehim Divik Vushim. He says in front of them words that conquer the heart, words that press on your heart. Tanar Bananim Yesh Zokin, Omer Zokin. If there's an elder there, we let the elder say it. Vim Lav, Omer Chacham. If there's no elder, we let a Chacham go. Imlav, if there's no zakin, so it implies you would let an elderly man, even though he doesn't really know anything, he's a, and it's an amaretz, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You would let him go in front of a tamachacham. Omer adam shel im lav omer adam shel If there's not, we send a man of tzura. We'll define that soon. Atu zakin de kamrays. This man we're talking about afogav de lav chacham who, even though he's not a chacham, he's an amaretz. He doesn't know how to talk. Amar bai hachi kamar. This is what the. Mishnah really means im yesh zaken if there's a zaken vehu hacham he's also a talmud hacham he, he knows his tanach omer zaken vehu hacham so he should get up and give the speech im lav omer hacham if not we'll send even a younger man but he knows his Torah im lav if he's not omer uh, uh, im lav omer adam shel if not we send an adam shel now the Rashi and the Taisers here say a man who's shel he's tall send a tall man because it's impressive now it sounds a little strange. Just because a man is taller, he's going to speak better. But you should know, subconsciously, 
and they've done studies like this. Subconsciously, people who are taller, they get more respect automatically based on their height. They tend to earn more money in life, and it could be you know correlation, maybe not causation, but they tend to get more. So there's a the other misfortunes say he has a tzura because he's he looks dignified, even if he's not tall, he looks dignified. The Ben Ishchai again, he brings. Uh, it's not necessarily that he's tall, but it's perush bal derech eretz. He always has good manners. Mitsuyin b'mabusho. He has very nice clothing. Ari's not here, but he would like that. And mm-hmm. he walks and he speaks nicely. So he's someone who really, he holds himself in high esteem, even if he's not the tallest guy there, but he's well-dressed and he's clean and he's pressed and he walks with dignity. And, you know, he's, he's a menschlich guy. He always has good midos. And uh, Ben Yishchai brings also, he says, uh, um, he says uh, his rabbi, or Yaakov, said that it's someone who's a real tzaddik, so when somebody's a big tzaddik, he has that sort of that radiance to him. Yeah, you go, you go, and you see Rav Eliashev, and you see uh, someone who's a big tzaddik, and you have that sort of that sort of air of importance to them, even if they're not the tallest guy in the room. The Baruch Hashem, the Rosh Hashiva here in Eretz he's, he's tall also. So that that helps, but he has that you know that that radiance. So that's a, that's a good thing. So So we send a, we send a man who's a hacham who knows what to say, and if not, we send a man who's impressive, and uh, and people are going to listen to him. What does he say? Achenu. He says, my brothers, lo sok v'tainis gormim. He says, it's not wearing sackcloth and the fasting that causes the rain and causes God to answer. Elatshuva. It's returning. Amaisim tovim. And good deeds gormim. That's what causes the rain. That's what causes our prayers to be answered. Shekhen metzinu ba'anshin ninveh. We see by the men of Ninveh, shalonamar behem v'yar elukim et sakam v'tainis It doesn't say, we said this in mission also, Hashem doesn't say by Ninveh, I saw their sack and their fasting. Ela v'yar elukim et ma'asehem. Hashem saw their deeds. Kishavu midarkamara. They repented from their evil ways, and they did good instead. Beit kasu sakim. And so now he's talking about we launch a discussion of what did the Anshe Ninveh do in Ninveh to repent? Beit kasu sakim. They put on sack. Adam v'behema. They even put sackcloth on their animals, which sounds strange. My havuav. They what did they do with the animals? Asra habehema tlechud v'etavlad tlechud. They would tie up the mother animal on one side of the barn and tie up the children animals on the other side of the barn. This is, sounds bizarre. Amru, and they said, Lefana, Rebun Shalom, they said to God, If you don't have mercy on us, we're not going to have mercy on these. A, a nursing mother, you know, a, a, you know, they're not Jews. So a mother pig and her little piglets, you know, and they're all oinking. It's terrible. They need their milk. And they're telling God, we're not going to have mercy on them until you have mercy on us. It sounds very strange. It sounds very odd. So the, it sounds like there's cruelty. The Rashi brings, they were arguing in front of Hashem. They say in Tehillim, it says, God, you have mercy on every creation. If you're not going to have mercy on, on us and you expect us to follow your path, you're not being merciful on us. You're not accepting our repentance. So we shouldn't be merciful on the animals that are in our care. Uh, the the Ben Chai takes this to another level. He says, he says, launching off his Rashi, he says really that animals were created to serve man. Of course, man was created last, so we learned humility, but the animals are for our use. So they're saying, God, if you're going to destroy this entire city and kill all of us out, what are these animals good for anyway? These animals are the food supply and the milk supply and the clothing supply. Animals were created to serve men. Now, you should remember, in Jewish tradition, we have something called Tsar Balei Chaim. Which mitzvah is that? It's not a mitzvah. So there's another level. So in the Milchas Asher of Asher Weiss says there are certain concepts. They're not a mitzvah. They're not one of the 613 mitzvot. There's something he calls, um, he calls, it's like Ratzon Hashem. It's the will of God. It's not one of the enumerated 613 commandments, but it's something larger than that because we see there's there 10 or 12 psukim 
that tell us not to be cruel to animals, even even by uh, by uh, Bilam. Why are you hitting your donkey for? You know, the Torah says all over the place, says all over the place, we don't be cruel to animals. Of course, we can slaughter them and eat them when they're kosher. We can use them as clothing, but we're never cruel to them. This is something that's ratzon Hashem. So it, it's it's a level that's sort of above and beyond mitzvah. You know, if Hashem said. The mitzvah is to not be cruel to animals. Then, of course, we'd all be not cruel to animals. But if Hashem just hints to us in a dozen places not to be cruel to animals, we have to really internalize that mitzvah as, as a ratz on Hashem. That's what Hashem wants. So here they were sort of using that, Hashem, you don't want us to be cruel to animals, don't be cruel to us. These Anshe Nineveh were using that as a launching point for Hashem to have mercy on them. By crow, El Elohim, they called to God, the chazaka, you know, loudly. Uh, my Amr, what did they say to God? They said, this is another interesting argument. Keep in mind, these are idolaters in Inve. They said, somebody who's aluv, is, who's forgiving, and eno aluv, someone who's not forgiving, someone who's a tzaddik, someone who's a rasha, who lets the other one go first? So they're telling, saying, Hashem, you're the tzaddik, and we're rashaim. They're admitting we're rashaim, and we're unforgiving, and we're, we're hard, and we're hard-headed. So you should please like let us go because usually a tzaddik, someone who's a humble tzaddik, would let the the brazen one go first. An interesting argument. Keep in mind they're not they're idolaters. and they repented every man in Ninveh from their bad ways. Uh, and from the the thievery, the Hamas kite that was on their hands. My so what are we talking about? What is the Hamas in their hands? They stole a beam. They stole a 4x4 four four at Home Depot, and they built it into a mansion. They would break down the whole mansion and return the 4x4 four four to Home Depot. When they were doing tshuva, they would break down their whole house and return it. So it might sound strange to you because we had in the Gemara in Sukkah something called Takana Shoving, that if somebody had taken something and then changed it, built it into something else, then he has to pay for the value, but not break down the sukkah or break down the mansion to return the item intact. So it sounds strange. Sounds like they were not following the Takana Sushavim. So this comes up again on Gittin Nunhe, Gittin 55, the Chasim Sofer over there says, that's correct, they weren't supposed to because the Takana Sushavim was a Dirabanan Takana to help Jews to repent. But it didn't apply to non-Jews because a non-Jew has to return the items even if they had built them into a mansion. Eliashev there explains further, he says, really, they shouldn't have had to return it because of Kim Leib Remember Sanhedrin, if somebody is chayev to pay money, but they're also chayev misa, they also get a death penalty, they don't pay the money because Kim Leib they would give them the worst punishment, they're chayev misa, they die, and they don't repay. A Ben Noach who steals is Chayv Misa. It's one of the seven mitzvahs B'nai Noach. So they are all mu'ah, they're all warned on this not to steal. They stole the beam. Really, Minadin, they should be Chayv Misa. And this kula, this leniency, is Hashem allowed them to just return the property, return the beams, return whatever they had stole, all the Hamas, instead of dying. So even though they should have been Chayv Misa and died and been destroyed because they weren't being destroyed, Elashim says they were allowed to return it intact. That's a whole discussion about this Takanas Shavim over there and why the Anshe Ninveh didn't take advantage of the Takanas Shavim. A person who has an Aveira in his hand, misvada, and he confesses his sin, but he doesn't return, he doesn't change. 
What does he resemble? He's holding a mouse or a lizard or whatever it is that makes him contaminated. Even if he's tovel, he's immersing himself in all of the water in the world. Remember, the ocean is also a mikvah. Lo alto lo tevila. He doesn't become pure. He's still holding the sheretz. Zarka miyado, he throws the sheretz out of his hand. He just used our by himself, which is basically enough to cover his body. It's not very large. Miyad altolo tevila. It works and he's purified. He does not holding the sheretz anymore. Shnemar mode ve'ozev yerucham. Mode admits ve'ozev and leaves it. He drops the sin. He gets rid of it, throws it out of his hands. Yerucham. That's when he gets the mercy. Omer nasa levavenu al kapenu el el bashamayim. We are carrying our hearts on our hands to Hashem in heaven. So we're, we're sort of, we're, it's, it's the heart that matters. It's like you can't just confess verbally and say, oh, I've, I've done this sin, and then keep doing the sin. That doesn't work. That doesn't purify. That doesn't bring mercy. You have to really tear your heart out and really change the action. That's what matters. So that was the Anshin Ninveh. So good, we go on to two dots. Amdu Batfila, Marin Lifneya Teva, Zokin. So the Mishnah said we send a Zokin, and they had a whole list of things uh, to describe the one we want to dive in on a public fast tunnel. Rabban and Amdu Batfila, Afopi, She Yesham Zokin, Vechacham. So we, we send somebody uh, to dive in, even though there's someone who's, you know, a Rosh Hashiva, who's an elder, we don't send him. And Marin Lifneya Teva, Ele Alim Rogil, someone normally daven. So somebody who davens a law, he knows how to daven. And he's a, he's a zokin, he's, you know, he's mature. We'll send him. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, mitupal, he has tefelim, he has children and dependents at home. Ve'enlo, and he doesn't have what to feed them with. Ve'yeshlo yegev asada, and he works in the field. So nowadays we don't work in the field very much, but I think if a guy has a garden, I think he's rawi to, to fast on a public fast, because he understands the need for rain and the need for Hashem to have mercy on us to get the crops and the plants and vegetables to grow. Ve'beto reikam, and his house is empty. Parko na'e. His parak, his time was pleasant. The Gemara will explain what that means. Shuffle berich, and he's humble. Merutze la'am, and the other people like him. So this is this is hard to do. To have a chazan of shliach tzibur that everybody likes, it's very hard. Okay, if most people like him, that's good enough. Yeshlo na'ima, he has a good voice. Vikolo arav, he has a sweet sound in his voice. Ubaki likra v'torah, nevim k'tuvim, he's bucky and tanach. Because Rashi says he's going to need a lot of pesukim. A lot of these added brachas were based on tehillim. So he needs to be familiar with Tehillim and the Psukim, and they, they cite some, some verses from Malachim, from the Navi. So he needs to know his Tanakh to be uh, fluent in, the, in these added blessings they're going to have on a public fast day. The Shanot, the Midrash, and he does Mishnah, he does Midrash, the Bechilchot, the Gadot, the and he goes to Dafyomi. He goes to Dafyomi. Ubaki, Bekola, Brachot, Kulan, and he's Bucky and all the additional blessings we're going to add. So the rabbis there looked at Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Ami because apparently he had all of these qualifications. Turning over to Ahmed Beis. So he said he has tefillah, he has dependents. He doesn't know what to feed them. It's not the same thing. An empty house is the same as saying he has dependents and nothing to feed them with. We're saying his his house is empty. He doesn't have Aveira in his house. He doesn't have stolen property in his house. He hasn't. Uh, he doesn't have any uh, any of that. Like the Anjanin had to give back. Pirko nai. What did it mean? Pirko nai. His his uh, time was nice. He didn't get a bad reputation when he was younger. You see, sometimes people when they're younger, they're a little a little wild, and then they calm down. He didn't even have that. So there's a pasuk. I had an inheritance. 
and it was like a lion in the forest, not no lie the cola, and it gave to me in with voice Al Ken and therefore Sanatia, I despised her. My not no lie the cola. What what does this refer to? Amr Marzutra Bartuvia, Amarov, Amri La, Amre Rebi Chama, Amar Rebi Elazar, Zeshaliach Tzibur. This is the man who's davening on behalf of the congregation. Uh, who's and it might be they, they picked him in Mavarshim's they picked him because he has a nice voice but he doesn't have the other qualifications of being humble and you're a Shemayim and maybe not, he doesn't have such a good reputation so they're picking him based on his voice and not based on the internal qualifications it's like a lion roaring in the forest and it just scares everybody and it's annoying and it's not really accomplishing the purpose of the prayers Omer Lifnehem Esrim Varba Brachot Shmoni Yisraish Bechol Yom Moisiv Lehem Ad Sheish. So it's twenty-four blessings on these last seven public fast days. The normal Shmoni Yisraish, which of course nowadays is nineteen, not eighteen, and we get rid of all the the minimum and Malshini. We can go back to eighteen, I hope. Uh, and we add these six in. The Mishnah lists all six. Uh, half of them are based on Tehillim, with an added Bruchat Hashem at the end of the Tehillim. And they, they add these on. Hane Sheish, Sheva Havyan. So when the Mishnah says there's six, there's really seven. So going back to the Mishnah, what happened was they said there's six added blessings, and then they gave us all the Chotamot. The Chotam means a seal, but it means the Burchata Hashem at the end. So they said like the Burchata Hashem, Zocher and Nishkahot. They sell these Burchata Hashems for these added blessings, but they actually add, have seven of them. We mentioned this yesterday, if you were here for Shabbos Daf why there's seven, and the Gemara's going to explain, like the Mishnah says, Blessed is you who has mercy on the land, and gives us the rain. What's the seventh? The seventh from the long one. They're going to explain, like the Bryson says, Goal Yisrael is one of our regular blessings. So we have Goal right before Rofe. Marich, they extend this. They extend the brach of Goel. So it's not just that they're adding six brachot between Goel and Rofe. They also would extend the brach of Goel and add in references to Avraham, Bahar, Maria in that blessing. And in the Chotem, this, the seal at the end of their brach of Goel, who Omer, what do they say in the public fast day? Misha Ona es Avraham, Bahar, Maria, who answered Avraham on Har, Maria, who Ya'aneischem. He will answer you, and he'll listen to your cries. That's what they would say instead of our Goel Yisrael, they would add on this reference to Avram Har Maria. We mentioned yesterday, the Mepharshim say, What did Avram pray in Har Maria? He was ready to shek to his son Yitzhak. He prayed there shouldn't be a Chilol Hashem, because Hashem had told him, Yitzhak will be your descendant, your heir. And he also told, told Avram to shek Yitzhak. So Avram was willing and able to do it. But he didn't want Hashem to be contradictory. So he prayed that Hashem should have a way out. So then his prayer was answered that Hashem would send a say, would send an ayel to be stuck in the bush and be sacrificed instead. Uh, so that was, the, that was the prayer of Abraham, Bahar Maria. Uh, and they answer to him, Amen. And then the Gabai, Omer Lahem, Tiku, Bnei Aharon Tiku. He said to the Kohanim, we're there, we're also in the band. He said, please blow the shofar tekiah. So this is the next bracha, the added bracha, the first added bracha of the six. And it ends, who answered our ancestors by the Red Sea. He should answer you and listen to your tzaka, to your, your calling out. Blessed is who remembers the forgotten. We were forgotten in Mitzrayim until Hashem remembered us and redeemed us. And only Nachrav Amen. The answer Amen. The Chazan Chinesed Omer Lahem Hariu Bnei Aharon Hariu. Blow a trua on the on the shofar. 
So take turns between trua and tekia. They go back and forth. Tekia after a bracha and trua after a bracha. When does this apply? Gvulin is outside the temple. They would say amen. In the mikdash, in the harabais, the temple itself was a little different. We don't say amen in the temple. It sounds a little strange. You know, Jews, Jews love to say amen. How do we know we don't actually say amen in the mikdash? It's a pasuk. So we stand up and we bless Hashem, your God, from the world to the world. This is one of the hints that there is an Olam Haba. And bless His honored name, and raise Him on every bracha and every blessing, and every praise. You might have think we say one Amen after every bracha or one something, one seal, one response after all of the bracha, after kula brachot kulan, we wait till the end of Shema Nasrei, until the end of the series of blessings, then say something. So it'll all be one praise together. That no, Hashem is elevated and raised on every blessing and praise. So our, our sages uh, explain this. means on each and every blessing Give an answer, give a response, whether it's a main outside the temple or a different response in the temple. What would they actually say in the Mikdash in place of a main? Baruch Hashem Elokim Elokei So that's actually what they say at the end of the blessing. So instead of saying Baruch Hashem Guel Yisrael, they'd say Baruch Hashem Elokim Elokei Yisrael Min HaOlam Olam. They'd have this reference to two worlds. That was their chotem, their seal to the bracha in the temple. They would add on this additional lashon based on min olam ad olam. And the answer was not a main, it was baruch shem kivod mechuto lelam va'et. The people hearing the bracha of the davening in the temple would answer baruch shem instead of a main. And there too they had a chazan that a gabai would say tiku kohanim bnei aharon tiku. It's interesting in the temple they say kohanim bnei aharon. So each Kohen is both a Kohen, he's a holy man, he's also Bnei Aharon, he's also following the footsteps of his father. So interesting, they used double lash in the temple. Tiku, Bechoser, Omer, Misha, and then they would go to second, Bracha, Misha, at Avram, Bechara, Maria, Hu Ya'anei, Etchem, Shema, Bechot, Tzachatchem, Ayom, Azei, Brochat Hashem, Elokei Yisrael, Zocher, and Nishkachot, that was the second Bracha about who, who answered us on Yamsuf. Hashem would be Zocher Nishkachot, so here the gear says they changed to, to uh, answer to Avraham, and then the second one is Zocher Nishkachot, which of course is the abbreviation for Baruch Shem Kavod Machutu Lelamba'ed. So if someone ever asks you what does Bash Hamlo stand for, you know it's Baruch Shem Kavod Machutu Lelamba'ed. It's right here in the Gemara. Chazanah Knesset, Omer Lahem Hariu, Kohanim Bnei Aharon Hariu. So blow the Trua. Vechulo, Vechol, Vechen Bechol Bracha, Bracha, Beachat Omer Tiku, Bachat Omer Hariu. So in the temple, the same situation, they would alternate Takiyas and Truas after these, these blessings. Until you finish all the blessings. We mentioned this in the Mishnah yesterday, that this is what they did in the temple, but they also did this in Sipuri and Sichni because the rabbis there instituted a custom to follow what they did in the temple. Again, 
says really the minag is not to do like this outside the temple. It's only at the gates to the temple, the Shari Mizrach, and on Harabais. They used to make minyanim on Harabais. It's probably a minion factory. We learned in Yuma, when the Kohanim were bringing the carbon tummy to Shachar, they would have to daven very quickly. They'd go out and they'd say Shema real quickly. They'd go and they'd daven Shemona very quickly. So they had mamish. They had minion factories, Harabais. So at Harabais on public fast day, they would use this nusach, this girsa of the davening. And some people say it like the Brisa, so most of this is the same. They would say, the Shleich Tibur would say in front of them 24 blessings. The regular 18. Add on 6. We already say them. Ben Goel, the Rofeh. Between Goel Yisrael and Rofeh Chobasar. Rofeh Chole, Omarich Begula. He would add into Geula. And Onim Acharav, Amen. They would say to him, Amen, O Kol Bracha, Bracha, and each and every blessing. That was the minag in Gvulin, Aval Bemikdash, in the temple itself. So it would add in this additional Lashon, referencing both worlds at the end of these additional blessings. Uh, they would say instead. Why all of this? You don't say Amen in the temple. Kumu barchu es Hashem alokecha min haolam vaad haolam vayvarchu Hashem kivodecha nurmam okol bracha utkila. It's like they had the drasha before. Okol bracha bracha on each and every blessing ten utkila. You give Hashem a praise, and in the temple we reference min haolam vaad haolam. He was going to add that into the blessings in the temple. Tana rabbanan the two dots. Alari shonot who omer baruch Hashem alokei Yisrael min haolam vaad haolam. Baruch Hu Yisrael v'hen onim, and they would answer Acharav Baruch Shem Kivod Mechudu Lam Ve'ez. This is again talking about inside the temple. Mechudu Lam Ve'ed v'chazan akneset Omer Tiku Kohanim Tiku blow the shofar Tikiya v'chozer Omer Misha Anat Avraham b'Har Maria who Yanehetchem v'Yishmaku Tzachetchem Hayom Azeh and Hemtoki would take out v'Alashnia who Omer Baruch Hashem Elokei Yisrael Mino Olam Ba'ad Olam Baruch. Zocher and Nishkachot, so it was in the temple, they'd have this min olam ad olam, lashon added to the blessings. And Odin Macharav, Baruch Shem Kivod Machut Olam Ved. Vachazan Akneset, Omer Hariu, Bnei Aharon Hariu, blow a trua. Omer Misha Anat Avotainu Al Yamsuf, this is the second added blessing. They ended, whoever answered, the one Hashem answered our ancestors by the, by the Yamsuf, the Red Sea. He should listen to your cries. Hayom Azei, Hem Mariim. Vitoki uh, Maria, and here it says the, the version is that would blow Maria is a trua, and the tkiya another trua. So it sounds like they would do akin to our shofar blowings on Rosh Hashanah. Sounds like they're doing tkiyas and truas and mixed together also. Until they finished all of the blessings. So mentioned they established a local custom in their own cities. To follow what the temple had done, this wasn't the minhag generally outside the temple. So only there in the temple they did it. A couple more lines. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, we didn't say zichronot in the Mishnah. They said two of the additional brachot are zichronot v'shofarot, and those are brachot we have in the prayers of Rosh Hashanah. So he said, Rabbi Yehuda said we don't use those on a public fast day. Amar of Ada Dominyafo, my time of Rabbi Yehuda, Lefisha Ain Amim Zichronot, Veshofarot, Eleb Rosh Hashanah, of Yovlot, Veshat Melchama. So at the top of Yadzayin, so he said, Rabbi Yehuda says, we only use these special blessings of Zichronot and Shofarot, which remember in our learning of Rosh Hashanah, they have extra 
psukim, extra verses are added in, 10 verses added into each blessing. We only use them on Rosh Hashanah itself and on Yovel, the Yovel davening, which might refer to the Yom Kippur of Yovel and Shat Milchama. If there's a Shat Milchama, remember there's also a special tefillah and shofar before they went out to war. Shkoyach Rabosai, have an excellent week and an excellent, what's tonight? It's Hanukkah tonight. Hanukkah.